Welcome to day 144 of Shaped by the Word. We're mm-hmm. making a journey through the book of Romans. We're on our third day, and it has mm-hmm. already been deeply rich. Uh, anytime we read scripture, it enriches us in so many ways. Uh, Paul has you know, described the gospel to us, and he's described the need that we have for the gospel, that you know, God's wrath is being poured out. And, and of course, we need to remember God's wrath is not just this arbitrary temper tantrum right. that he throws mm-hmm. you know, when people are doing something that don't please him. His, his wrath is his you know, righteous jealousy for the things that would rob us of his highest and of his best. And so he describes those things that he will always be at war against, anything that uh, robs us of his glory, robs him of his glory, robs us of his joy mm-hmm. and of his very best you know, for us. And so he's described, you know, the, the pagan lifestyle or the idolatrous lifestyle and many of the things that they slide into and many of the shameful lusts that they've been involved in. But then he makes a turn, you know, in chapter two, he said, dear, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgments do the same things. Okay. It looks a lot more sophisticated. Yeah. You can hear Paul's audience saying, we don't do those things, mm-hmm. but, but you have not honored God as God and you don't live your life in thanksgiving before him. And you too are futile in your thinking because you think that you can make yourself right before a holy God. Mm-hmm. So you've really diminished you know, God's sense of holiness in thinking it's something that you can achieve for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then chapter three is just one of my favorite chapters. You know, the middle section, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture where he describes the sacrifice of Christ mm-hmm. for our sin. Um, that makes us right in him. So let's uh, pick up in Romans chapter 3 as we continue through. Before we start, we always pause because we know anytime we come to Scripture, it's a holy moment. Um, we've come here not to uh, read a passage and check off a box or to learn a few historical facts you know, from Scripture. We come here to know God and in knowing God to be stirred in our affections for him and our desires to live to honor him. So we we always pause. We realize we're in his presence, and we ask him to use his word to continue his work in us. So, Cindy, before we uh, read Romans 3, do you mind lifting us up? No, not at all. Father, we do want to pause. We want to um, approach your word in this time as a, as a very special time, Father, where we would just ask that your spirit would, even now open our eyes to the things that you have for us to read and to understand and to to grow from so father we just invite that we we um, pray for open hearts and that you would transform us by your spirit but by the power of the gospel in christ's name we pray amen romans chapter three what advantage then is there being a jew or what value is there in circumcision much in every way First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if someone was unfaithful? Would their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our righteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, if our unrighteousness rather brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say then? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God, how could God judge the world? Mm-hmm. 
Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result? Their condemnation is just. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become together worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways in the way of peace. They do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It's excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who would justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. We uphold law. Fantastic description of uh, the sacrifice of Christ. Um, he asked the question twice, do we have any advantage in uh, being Jewish? And the first time he said, we have every advantage. Yeah. We have God's, you know, we have yeah. God's word and we have, yeah. you know, the promises. And the next one said, he said, nope, no. we, we don't have any advantage mm-hmm. because whether you have God's good word uh, without being justified, you know, through faith, you're still in captive to sin or captured by your sin and you're still unable to live a life that pleases god apart from the work of christ Mm -hmm. you know in in your life so yes you have every advantage because you have god's word which sets the table for knowing christ Mm -hmm. but you have no advantage until you actually come to christ Mm -hmm. or apart from christ so what are some other things that stand out in in this passage well i mean paul absolutely makes that clear you know starting in verse 9 you know, obviously, um, Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin, and he goes into that really vivid description uh, of sin and how it's affected mm-hmm. our depths and our nature and all that we are, that no one's righteous, not even one, no one understands, no one seeks, all have turned away and have together become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And so obviously we see that the depths of sin and, and how much it has yeah, penetrated us. And, and and of course, what he's doing mm-hmm. is he's bringing out the law. Mm-hmm. So these are seven Old Testament, <coughs> excuse me, seven quotes from the Old Testament, uh, mm-hmm. mostly from the Psalms. Five of them from the Psalms, one from Ecclesiastes, 
one from the book of Isaiah, but saying, what does the law say about us? And here's how you know the law describes us. And, and of course, the number seven is how completely depraved we are. Mm. You know that he brings you know when he brings us together, and he says, this this is this is our state apart from the work of God's grace in our life, you know, through through Christ Jesus. That last one, um, the way of peace, they do not right. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, peace there is is God's you know idea of shalom or yeah. well being. Yeah. They don't know what their own where their own good is found because they are mm-hmm. looking at it in themselves and looking for it apart from you know apart from god which which we all do and i guess i can't help but think that as we look at that um section of scripture that we don't you know become undone by that i mean there should be just this idea or just this sense or a feeling of humility that then would have us have our hearts set right as we confess that and then you know god deals with that um but yet we can be so proud and so judgmental no, and we, so we, critical we, and we can and of course when we are that's a you know it's a real sign that we have not recognized grace exactly because grace humbles us and grace also uh, gives us compassion mm-hmm. for others mm-hmm. so we are still working on operating on our own sense of righteousness our own sense of rightness uh when we uh when we become prideful and when we become condemning. Right. You know, those two things, you know, that uh, issue for that. Mm-hmm. And obviously love the flow coming coming out of those verses, especially when we get to verse 22 and 28, that this righteousness, so when we feel like we have no righteousness mm-hmm. at all, there is this righteousness that is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And then I, I love verse 28. It's been one of my favorite passages for so long. For we maintain that the person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he already said that in verse 20. No one's going to be declared righteous in God's sight. And about trying to get their act together and trying to you know, list all the regulations of the law in the refrigerator and checking them off every day because uh, your problem is much deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's not just you know, simply a few little behavior problems. It's, it's a deep heart problem. And I, I love the way you know. I love you know that whole section there. Yeah. I, let me read it again. I you know I'm, I'm I'm sorry to do this, but but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not righteousness by the law, but it's the righteousness that the law points to. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between. You know, high, highly moral Jews and highly immoral Gentiles for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice uh, of atonement, uh, that one day a year when Israel's sins mm-hmm. you know, were cleansed, here is a once and for all sacrifice. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. And this is the big dilemma of Scripture. How can a holy God mm. bring an unholy people right. into his presence and have a relationship with him? How can a holy God overlook sin and yet embrace sinners? And the answer is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ because he made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He put our sins on him, or as Isaiah said, he laid on him the iniquity of us all, and he bore the punishment for our sins, satisfying God's holy hatred of everything that would separate us you know, from him. And 
uh, allowed us to be declared righteous. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you would hear in a court. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's one of two verdicts. You're either condemned right. or you're declared right. Mm-hmm. And we're declared right, mm-hmm. not because of our works, because of the works of another. And love that line as well, that in that giving of this uh, justification that we've received, God still maintains who he is as, as just throughout yeah. the whole process. He doesn't compromise himself in the justification of sinners, but remains true to himself mm-hmm. through the cross as, as we are justified freely by his grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything the Old Testament anticipated just kind of opens up for us. You know, in the in those in those few in those few passages, mm-hmm. I do like you know also you know um, from the very beginning, uh, we realize you know that the gospel you know calls us mm-hmm. uh, you know to obedience through faith. In other words, it didn't call us just to simply be pardoned from our sin, mm-hmm. but through the same faith in which we received you know the the good news of the gospel to continue to live lives that are a reflection of the gospel, that are you know pleasing to Him. And, and so Paul gets just a little bit catty with that. He said, are we telling you guys to live however you want to, you know, so that grace becomes bigger and bigger and bigger? And he said, by no means. Whoever says that, their condemnation is, is to us. So the gospel calls us to a, mm-hmm. a transformed heart that leads to a transformed life in a whole new way of living into the truth of what God created us to be and what God has redeemed us to be, a people who are a reflection of himself. Mm-hmm. And of his heart. And we have seen some of those kind of displays of, you know, what some people kind of call, you know, cheap grace or really just mm-hmm. a lack of understanding of the gospel of, mm-hmm. well, you know, God's so gracious. He's so loving. I mean, look at what he freely gives. So I, I, I can do this. I can do that. I, I don't have to mm-hmm. take my my living or my obedience or, or the call of righteousness or holiness too important mm-hmm. or make it very important. And so we, we see, even though that may sound kind of weird to us, like, you know, can I send the, the grace abounds type of thought, but... But yeah, I know I'm definitely guilty yeah, yeah. of that as mm-hmm. well, and, and I imagine all of us are. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess there's there's just some micro truth in that that every time I'm forgiven, God's grace mm-hmm. becomes bigger. But uh, every time I live in obedience to Him, His grace becomes bigger mm-hmm. as well, because that is His work in my life to transform me to be you know in the image yeah. in the image of Christ. And of course, my desire should be mm-hmm. you know to be a reflection of who He is. Not you know simply to receive forgiveness and live as I want to be, which is a huge contradiction mm-hmm. to what to the cross and what has happened on the cross. The full display of God's hatred for sin and His love for sinners mm-hmm. you know, coming together in the cross of Christ. So fun mm-hmm. section. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow we talk more about what it means to be declared right through faith. Mm-hmm. But David, why don't you close us out today? Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for all the good news we find here in this passage. We thank you so much for the, the plan you have had since the creation of time to justify sinners freely through faith in Christ to all who would believe. So we thank you so much um, that the gospel is for all people in all places and all times. We do ask that you would help us to see this gospel, believe this gospel, and live in light of this gospel. Um, Help us to not be the type of people who who just take advantage of your grace, but may we see your grace and may it continue the transforming work that it does in our lives. And so may we be a reflection of who you are. May we image you um, to one another and to the world. 
And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.